hearts and minds upon those words. Be acceptable in your sight, Lord. You're our rock, our crucified, risen, reigning, coming again, redeemer. Bless you, Lord. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. One thing to really strongly keep in mind is John's gospel is an eyewitness gospel. Okay, two of the four eyewitness gospels, and John's is one. John, Jesus did hundreds of miracles in his three years of ministry. It's it's easy to say that he did thousands of miracles in those uh, three years of ministry. John only recorded seven miracles in his gospel, but each one builds upon the previous sign. John calls them signs. And each one builds on the previous sign until he gets to the seventh. And it's this intense, jaw-dropping sign of Jesus in chapter 11, where he raises his good friend Lazarus from the dead. And we say intense and jaw-dropping because all of Jerusalem, right? Bethany, where Lazarus died, is only two miles from Jerusalem. He had all kinds of connections there. All of Jerusalem knew that Lazarus had been dead four days when Jesus raised him. So this miracle rocked the capital city, and it went out from there like wildfire. This sign left no room for debate. Either you believe in Jesus as the Son of God, sent from the Father, God Almighty, or you reject him completely. There's no more middle ground. Now, you might wonder, what does this, how does this fit in the timeline? Where, how does this fit with Jesus going across? Well, that's why John placed it here. It, this miracle happened probably the week before Passover week, where Jesus ends up dying on Friday. This miracle really sealed the deal. If you want to say it put the nails in the coffin, this is the miracle that did it. Because it was incontrovertible. Everybody knew it was real. Everybody knew it had happened. Even the chief priests admitted it. It took away all the middle ground. You were either for Jesus and he was the son of God, or you rejected him. The intensity of the situation couldn't be any stronger. It's right before the Passover week. That's the setting for John chapter 11, verse 45. Let's pick it up there. Now we're still standing um, at the tomb area where Lazarus had just come out, that whole dramatic resurrection time. And it says, many of the Jews, therefore, standing right there and seeing this happen, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Everybody say, hallelujah. hallelujah. I mean, wow, how could you not? But some people didn't. Many did believe, praise the Lord. Verse 46, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. Is that, is that true? Speak, who's declaring his truth? The men who went to kill him, chief priests and the Pharisees, some of the Pharisees. This is amazing to me. What do we do? For this man performs many signs. They're declaring and admitting the truth. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Well, not everyone. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Here's the rub. What's really concerning them? own personal position, their power, their authority, their place in, in society, uh, the money that they got coming in through the other ripping off people at the temple. That's what's really the rub here. 
If we don't stop this man, Jesus, the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Um, the problem is, has Jesus ever taken a shot at Caesar? Has he ever messed with the Romans? Has he ever encouraged the people to throw off the yoke? Never once. They goaded him and tried to make him make pronouncements like that. He never once did. So this is a false fear. It comes out of their own desire to protect themselves and their position. They're scared spitless because he keeps on um, facing them in public and showing their hypocrisy and drawing people to the true God. Verse 49, but one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. Kind of spooky, isn't it? He says, don't, don't you get it? It's way better for this one troublemaker to die for you and, and for the, the whole nation. Verse 51. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he, I would insert almost, he accidentally prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. He didn't realize what he was saying on a spiritual level. He thought that Jesus should die to save Israel as a physical nation, not die to save Israel spiritually forever, everlasting in God's hands. Verse 52, and not for the nation only. So this is John continues. Let's start back at verse 51. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation and not for the nation only, but also together into one, the children of God who were scattered abroad. That's you and me. We get to be gathered into the family of God of the tree, uh, the tree of salvation through the, through the Jews. So from that day on, they say it with me, they did what they made plans to put him to death. That's the title of the sermon, if you haven't noticed it before. They made plans to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim. There he stayed with the disciples. Uh, in modern times, we, we can't nail down exactly which town. They had different names. Sometimes the locals had different names for their favorite local places. But uh, the, the region we're pretty certain of, north and east, 15, 16 miles from Jerusalem. So a distance away, uh, safer, protected, more of a wilderness place. And that's where Jesus goes to let things uh, cool down for a while. Verse 55. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. Many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, what do you think, that he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests, the Pharisees, had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. So it was now common knowledge throughout Jerusalem that Jesus had, a, there was an, an order out to arrest him. And in fact, if you were a good temple attending Jew, it was your responsibility to rat him out and turn him in. If, if the ruling authorities found out that you knew about Jesus' whereabouts and you hadn't told them, they could kick you out of the synagogue, out of the temple. So this is why the people are wondering, is Jesus going to come at all? He knows he's probably under the arrest ban. The tension is just increasing. Chapter 12, verse 1. 
Now, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, just two miles out, a lot closer, two miles out from Jerusalem, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Remember, Lazarus, Mary, Martha, it's all one family. They give a dinner for Jesus. Why would they do that? One, because they love him. Two, because he just raised Lazarus from the grave the week before. Let's celebrate. Amen? So they gave a dinner for him there. Who do you suppose prepares and serves the dinner? Martha is the one with the kitchen skills. Amen? Glory. Martha served. Is she grumbling and complaining this time? No. How is Martha serving this time? Out of the joy of her heart. Serving there in the kitchen. Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. It's really interesting. He said, well, of course he was. He lived there. He was the brother. There's kind of a, there's a hint here in the Greek that Lazarus may have been kind of hiding out, like in the back room. Why, why would he be doing that? We were talking with, talking with Kuz about how they're celebrities. You know, when you walk around with twins, just you know, magnets. People magnet to babies anyway, but twins, wow. Lazarus was a celebrity. Hot commodity. Probably, no, anyway, there's a hint here that he was like hanging out in the back room behind a closed door because it just overwhelmed with uh, the notoriety of his being raised from the dead by Jesus after being dead four days. You can imagine the questions, right? What was it like? What was it like to be back? All those things. So Martha served, and Lazarus is one of those reclining it with him at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, this is just a pure act of, of honoring and loving the Lord. So a special guest to your home, this is common treatment, to wash their feet, maybe some special oil with fragrance in it to, to let them know that you're an honored guest. Uh, towel would have been the normal thing used. But Mary goes all out. It sounds like from the, from the words of the vocabulary used here, this is a super expensive oil base thing, it's, it's used, she's, she bought it, and is saving it, keeping it, to anoint Jesus at his death. About a year's wages is what it says in the Greek. So I don't know what a year's wages is nowadays, let's say $30,000, $40,000, what's a year's wages for a workman? Wow, this is extravagant, amen? She anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with their hair. This is complete devotion, honoring. Now say this with this next sentence. The house was what? The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Come on a second. Step back for a minute. What was Martha doing for this dinner? She, was, she made and served the entire dinner. What, was, what fragrance filled the house before the perfume did? Supper, the fragrance of supper filled the house. Why do we love Thanksgiving and Christmas? Lots of different reasons. One of them is when all the family gathers, you come to the house, and it, it just, the fragrances of all those special dishes cooking, there's something extraordinary and powerful about, wow, Thanksgiving dinner is ready. That fragrance says to us, among other things, it says, I'm loved, this is home, this is where I belong. That fragrance of love filled the house first. 
Now Mary comes and pours this amazing perfumed oil on Jesus' feet. And this fragrance of love now fills the whole house. It's a powerful thing. Verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. Having charged the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Ouch. So what a contrast, right? Lazarus, Mary, Martha, love and devotion, honoring Jesus. And then we get Judas. Wow. Major contrast. Verse 7, Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it on the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you. You can always minister to them. You'll have more opportunities. But you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there in Bethany, right? They've been asking about him in Jerusalem. Word got out that he was there in Bethany at Lazarus' place. So when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, Jesus, but also to see who? Lazarus. He could have put himself on display. He could have charged entrance, right? 50 cents apiece. Huge deal. But also to see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So the chief priests, say it with me, the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. We don't have any other mention of this plot. Don't know even from church um, history traditions we don't have any indication uh, as I look at the whole situation I'm pretty sure within a week Jesus is dead on the cross so I think the pressure on Lazarus backs off they think they've accomplished what they need to they've, they've finally killed Jesus that story is going to be over so I think the pressure to, to get Lazarus backs off at that point but we never hear more about Lazarus from this moment but here's the thing that pops out of this today the chief priests made plans, made plans to kill Jesus. Then they make plans to kill Lazarus, to try and keep their own boat afloat, try and keep their own power and, and honor and wealth in place. The chief priests made plans. Um, I want to go to the book of James for a second. When I, when I hear this making plans stuff, this passage pops into my heart and mind. James chapter 4, verse 13. James writes, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Can you say amen? amen. Nobody knows what tomorrow is going to bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. We had fog this morning, didn't we? Dawner. Instead, you ought to say... Say this with me now. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. What's the key phrase in there? If the Lord wills. As it is, this is, you've gone through James lately in your devotions. He doesn't pull any punches. He gives you all four knuckles. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Back to the chief priests. 
What are they up to? All their boasting is arrogance. It's all evil. It's all selfish. It's all about themselves. Their plans to kill Jesus. Their plans to kill Lazarus. So what are we saying? We, we shouldn't make plans for our lives? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. Make plans. But give them into the Lord's hands, right? If the Lord wills, we will do this or that. So Proverbs Chapter 3, we'd love to write this in our graduation cards, right? Proverbs 3, this is a, and there's a reason for it, powerful guidance verses here. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, meaning don't put, don't lean, don't put all of your eggs on your own understanding your situation, your own plans, without consulting God, without trusting him, without asking him for input. Don't lean on your own understanding all by yourself. In all your ways, in all your plans, acknowledge him. He will make straight your paths. So make plans. Give them into God's hands. Trust him with them. Now, I wonder what plans Lazarus had for his life. suppose he planned to become the most recognized, talked about man in Jerusalem? Do you suppose he planned to have to hide in the back room to have some time to himself from the maddening crowds? What about Martha? What were her plans for life? Right now she gets to bless Jesus and the guests with the fragrance and taste of love through her servanthood in the kitchen. She loved it and all received it. It was awesome. What about Mary? What were the plans for her life? On this occasion, she gets to fill the house with the fragrance of her love and devotion to Jesus. What are, what's God's plan for you? He wants to make you the most famous change life person in the county for his glory. I don't know if that's his plan for you. Maybe his plan for you is to keep on being an amazing blessing in the home. Pouring out the love of Jesus in practical servanthood ways. Maybe he's got plans for you to be like Mary and, and in different ways just release the fragrance of the presence of God. He's got a plan for you. Trust him with it. He'll unfold it day by day, all the way through your life. And uh, sometimes the plan changes gears, goes different new directions. Amen. Think back to John 11, 49 to 50. Got to dig a little bit deeper in this before we go away from it. John 11, 49. This is Caiaphas accidentally speaking a prophetic word from God. One of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that, say with me, one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. What was Caiaphas' plan for Jesus? Kill him to be done with this whole thing. One man dies for their personal benefit to protect the nation of Israel from greater pain at the hand of the Romans. 
Here's what God's will did with Caiaphas's plans. Hebrews chapter 9. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So here in Hebrews, he's comparing the physical temple in Jerusalem to, in a sense, the temple, true temple of heaven and God in heaven himself. And he says, the heavenly things themselves, we needed better sacrifices than goats and sheep and, and cows, okay? He says, we need better sacrifices than that. Verse 24. For Christ has entered into the temple area, not into holy places made with hands, like in the temple in Jerusalem, which are copies of the true things in heaven. But Jesus went into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God, say it, on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. So Caiaphas was the high priest that year. We know he was high priest for 18 years, 18 different times. Caiaphas had to go into the, the Holy of Holies on that one day a year, the Day of Atonement, and give sacrifice for the sins of the people and for himself. 18 times he got to do that. Verse 26. For then Jesus would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. He says if Jesus' sacrifice was like Caiaphas' sacrifice, he'd have to do it over and over and over and over again. What's different about Jesus' sacrifice? His is perfect. It's once for all. Just as for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, Jesus has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So Caiaphas's plan was to, to kill Jesus and be done with it. God's plan, once one man die and be done with it to, to protect the nation. God's plan was that one man die to put away sin for all humanity. Isn't that the better plan? <laughs> wow. 27. Just as it is appointed for a man to die once, after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those eagerly waiting for him. So Lazarus and Martha and Mary were all eager to love Jesus and to serve him. Sounds like a phenomenal family. They learned to trust their lives and their plans into his hands. They even trusted Jesus to save them from their sins and to give them resurrection life. They'd seen him pull Lazarus out of the tomb. They knew it was going to be true for them. So how about you? God got a plan for your life? Not good. You have, do you have a plan for paying for your sin? Do you have a plan for eternal life? All those plans are yes and amen in Jesus. They're only yes and amen in Jesus. Let's take our plans to the Lord in prayer. Awesome God, we thank you for making it so clear in this passage that the plans of men can be a real mess. God, we just lift up to you. Sometimes our plans have been selfish. 
sometimes they've been arrogant, sometimes they haven't even thought about consulting you or asking you, they've just jumped in. God, forgive us for that. We do, Lord God, we give our lives, our plans, we give them into your hands right now. We say, Father, have your way. Guide and direct us, Lord. Make, make our paths straight according to your sovereign will. Thank you, Lord. And God, most of all, we need this plan, your plan for payment for our sins, Jesus on the cross, your plan for resurrection life, Jesus being the first one raised from the dead to eternity. God, we need that plan from you. So this morning, we humble ourselves again and say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. God, thank you for your plan uh, for our lives to make a difference. Could be in the kitchen like Martha. Could be at your feet like Mary. Could be as a shining witness like Lazarus. In so many other ways. God, fulfill your wonderful good plans for each one of us now. We ask it through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.